Welcome to today's Daytime Dialogues. It's a pleasure to be able to welcome Karen Nachomowski to, to Kins, but to welcome her to Kins is really something that she uh, doesn't need because Karen has been part of the KINS family for the last four years. For those of you who don't know, Karen is not only a very, very successful blogger with a website of Mama Chef, but she also runs the Mama Chef Soup Kitchen at KINS, something that we are very, very proud of and something that has really brought her recognition nationally for her efforts on behalf of other people. So Karen, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. So I'm going to go back to the beginning. Sure. Four years ago, I get a phone call from someone named Karen Nachamowski, who said, tells me that she's wondering if we can start something up at the synagogue. Um, and what you wanted to start up was a soup kitchen at the synagogue. I remember the phone call. I remember the initial conversations. But what brought you to that point where you said you wanted to, make a, to create this soup kitchen? Um, it was, like you said, I had a cooking blog. It blew up really fast. Um, uh, if I would have thought that I would have been at the place a year later that I was with 50, 60,000 followers, I was writing for different magazines, um, doing a lot of recipe development, I would have thought, you know, a year before that, wow, this is where I want to be. Like, I would have thought I would have just been completely fulfilled. And I wasn't. Um, I just felt like something was missing. And I mean, you've heard this. It was just that middle of the night. You wake up. Your mind is racing. We all have those thoughts um, or those worries. Usually in the morning, we realize, oh, it was just middle of the night. We're fine. You know, it, it's not such a reality. Um, my thought in the middle of the night was, I want to open up a soup kitchen. I had um, volunteered for many years through Maot Chitim. Um, I had delivered meals in the area of Kins, the, the Rogers Park, West Rogers Park area. I had also volunteered many years at the Beth Emmett Soup Kitchen. Um, my oldest son, Oren, um, instead of birthday presents for many years, he asked for gift cards and we would sponsor the meal, which meant we would actually go and buy all of the ingredients. Um, they'd give us a list um, of what to purchase. So I felt like I we had experience doing that. And so I had that middle of the night idea. I woke up, the crazy big thought was not gone. And I said, I want to do this. Um, and it kind of just started from there. And how'd you find us? It's actually an amazing story. So kind of the path that I took was I met with um, the lay leaders at Beth Emmett, who are amazing, who run the soup kitchen. Um, I reached out to about team. I, I knew the area that I wanted to serve. Like I knew I wanted it to be around in your area. Um, I was coming from the Northern suburbs. I knew I was going to be there pretty often. So I didn't want to have to go too far into the city, but I was also familiar with your area from delivering the Pesach, the Rosh Hashanah packages. Um, you know, you talk about meant to be, I remember vividly Googling synagogues. And I thought since I had done it at Beth Emmett, I thought I'd feel comfortable doing this at a synagogue. Um, and I remember just Googling synagogues in Rogers Park. I don't even think I put in West Rogers Park. Like, I think I just did a general. 
And you were the first synagogue that I reached out to. How I chose you, I don't know. Um, I remember like the logo. Um, and I think I sent it to info, like just your info. I didn't even know how to reach out. We had never met. Um, I sent it to the info and just gave a little bit of information. And I think the next day or the day after, it went to Esther, who I didn't know, who I, you know, I know very well now. And she sent it to you and she said, we love this idea. And she put us in touch. It was, you know, I, I've said many times it went off without a hitch. It was, it was an amazing connection. Oh, it still is. It's, yes. it's still taking place. It's morphed after yes. COVID. We'll get back to that in a minute. But since that first week, how many meals have you served? We have served over 20,000 meals so far. Probably more, I mean, probably significantly more, but yeah, we've, we've served a lot of meals. And just, just to explain to people what time you, you come every week, what time do you start cooking? When do you serve and what time do you normally end on this? So I mean, I actually have a volunteer coordinator who you know well, Karen Akanow. Um, I asked her to come on before I even started, um, just because we need a lot of volunteers. I, re I remember when we met with Richard and, you know, I figured out we need about 600 volunteers a year, which was pretty daunting out of everything, the fundraising, the getting the meals, that was really um, what I was trying to kind of wrap my head around. How am I going to get all these volunteers? So I brought on Karen Akano, who's a friend, a good friend of mine. Um, she probably didn't realize volunteer coordinator meant she's running this with me every week. She does. She absolutely runs this with me. Um, so we get there around 4 p.m. During the day, I'm picking up donations. Um, Tel Aviv Bakery um, has been wonderful in donating to us. Emma's Bagels has been donating to us. Um, the Jewel Osco in my area in Highland Park saves all their meat for us. So I'm kind of running around during the day, picking up donations. We get stuff from the Greater Chicago Food Depository. Karen and I meet at four, around four o'clock. Um, we start kind of getting everything together. The volunteers come at 4.30. And by six o'clock, we have made almost a hundred. They're usually five or six course meals, really nice meals. And in fact, the Mama Chef blog, really started out with easy to make meals with how many ingredients? Yes. So my blog, it's all six ingredients and less and under six minutes prep time. Um, so most of the recipes we make are from my blog, um, which is nice because we get so many volunteers who will come, you know, we have a lot of volunteers who come often and they'll come back and say, I made your honey curry chicken or I made the sloppy joes because um, we made it at the soup kitchen and then they go home and make the meals, which is nice. And at the very same time, in terms of making all of these things, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, a lot of the food is donated. But yes. the amazing thing is when you talk about 600 volunteers, and I remember when you were first talking about how many volunteers, thinking about those kinds of numbers, I wasn't sure we'd be able to do it. Yes. But there's a waiting list to be able to volunteer. Yes. How, how, many, how many months in advance are you booked? So when we opened up within two months of opening up um, the sign up sheet, we had a six month waiting list. People would email me and, and we actually had a list of people that would that wanted to come that would kind of fill in if anyone canceled. So yeah, it was I felt the same. I thought I'd be having to bring my kids every week. You know, we'd be kind of trying to find um, 
having a hard time finding volunteers. I think the reason why is people really want a place, not only to volunteer, but to bring their kids. Um, I decided, I purposely decided to make the minimum age much younger than a lot of other soup kitchens um, because I thought it was really important for kids. I saw it with my son, my oldest son, like I said, when he was um, you know, asking for gift cards and we were purchasing the meals at Beth Emmett, it was just so important for kids to get um, tangible, a hands-on hands -on experience um, working with people in need. And, and I thought it was so nice for the guests to come and to be able to interact with the kids, which was really nice as well. So I think that's why it kind of, the, the sign-up sheet really took off. So what have you learned from this? How has it changed your perspective on things? Um, I'll say it's actually changed my kids' perspective a lot more than mine. I think I grew up always being aware what else was around me. Um, you know, something that could be 20 miles away. Um, I, I think that it, it's changed my children's perspective in ways that they're seeing. Um, there's so many people out there's so much that they can do in this world to help, but they're also seeing that there's little things that they, you know, coming to the soup kitchen and volunteering, my youngest son, you know, comes and we'll chop the fruit and he, he feels so good. He'll then go and hand out the fruit. You know, when we were open, he'd be handing out the fruit. Um, I, I think it's just so important to show the kids this starting at a young age. And I think it's important for them to get comfortable around people of all different um, walks of life, because it can be intimidating for children to be around kids who might come off of the street or who might be coming to the soup kitchen. You know, we had some people coming with their shopping carts with their, all their belongings. So um, I think it's taught my kids a lot. I, before COVID broke, I was, mm -hmm. I tried to be there every week, yes. at least to say hello to people who were coming. And I, obviously sometimes it was surprising because some of the people I knew from other contexts and uh, I didn't want them to be uncomfortable, but thank God they came. Yes. And I had an experience, I don't know if I ever shared with you that one time uh, people were coming who were both Jewish and non-Jewish, it was open to anybody who needed. Mm -hmm. And one time I was walking on California Avenue and it was a Shabbat and two of the regulars at the soup kitchen were sitting there on a bench on the corner of California and Tui. And they gave me this big greeting and I gave them a big greeting back. And I was walking with people who didn't really understand how we knew each other because it wasn't necessarily the people you would expect me to be hanging out with or them to be hanging out with me. But it was just this warm, friendly experience. It, it changes perspective on how you can impact somebody's life in a very, very meaningful way. Now, I did not know that story. That's actually, a, it makes me very happy. That's actually a beautiful was, story. It was a yeah. great story. I can even tell you the people later on. They yeah. were. I'm trying to know them. Now, when COVID hit, you had to really pivot quickly because we couldn't have people in person anymore to come. So what happened then? Um, so we really only officially shut down for about, even when our entire world shut down, I wanted to figure out a way to keep feeding either the regulars or what we were doing before COVID is we were actually busing in individuals from two homeless shelters in Chicago. And they reached out to me right when COVID hit and they said, we, we need the food actually more than ever because what was happening is at the shelters, at least, they were allowing people before COVID, people were coming in to cook. 
And once COVID hit, they were not allowed, the guests were not allowed to leave and they weren't allowing anyone to come in. So they actually needed, they, they weren't able to even make any, have anyone come in to help to make the meals. So they reached out to me and said, you know, I know you're feeding our guests every Tuesday night. How can you help? Um, so what we did, and then I also, we get a lot of guests from the ARC. The ARC has been wonderful, um, a wonderful resource for me. I met with them many times before we started. We made sure we kind of, you know, shared resources, um, and they really helped get the word out on the soup kitchen to all of their guests. So what I did is I reached out to the ARC and we figured out a way where I could at least order meals. They put together a list and we were delivering meals, not once a week, um, but as often as we could to the regulars that we knew um, were coming to the soup kitchen and they helped with that, which was wonderful. And then what I did is I put together a Google Doc and I had friends sign up every Tuesday morning. We had probably 10 different courses. I mean, chicken, pasta, uh, salads, fruit salads, desserts, and friends signed up and they would drop off food at my doorstep on Tuesday morning. And at the time, my husband's office was closed. So he was able to do this. And then I was, and then our security officer, but through the months, we were still um, delivering probably the equivalent of 100, 150 meals to the shelters as well. So we really didn't um, there was really never a time other than maybe the first two weeks that we stopped feeding those in need. And now people come at four o'clock, you come at four o'clock, four thirty, right. they start cooking and you start, you have this operation where you pack up food. We do. If you want to show, I think you have some photos on your end. If you want to show a couple of the photos of the food, we did have to pivot, um, during COVID. Okay, I'm just going to pull up a couple of pictures right now. So this is a picture, for example, yes. of just the, the packaged meals. It's in it's in the KINS kitchen. I can see from the tile on the side. <laughs> okay. uh, this is some of the packing that's taking place. Yeah, that was right, actually, right before we started. And this is that's actually from last week. Um, this was the sh the photo that they actually showed on um, live with Kelly and Ryan, which was very exciting. <laughs> We get, these are students from Rochelle Zell Jewish High School. Um, they come pretty often to volunteer. Um, they've actually started a club at their high school called the Mama Chef's club, uh, Soup Kitchen Club. My son surprisingly runs it. Um, and then there's actually the Art Cafe, which um, a student named Olivia runs that. So she kind of helps to get all the volunteers to come, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, we do, we get students. And then I will mention, um, we have, we don't do any of the cleanup. For me, it's amazing. Um, you know, we spend a couple hours cooking. It's a pretty hectic couple of hours. And when we're done, we have members of KINS, um, along with students from Ida Crown um, that come and do all of the cleanup. So um, I'll kind of talk about how we pivoted during COVID, but when we were open, they were there. Um, every single week coming to clean up the entire downstairs to clean up the kitchen, which is a huge help for us because it's a long day and we're exhausted. Our kids are at home. It's just so nice to have someone come and take that off. Um, and it's nice for them to be involved. I think that it's nice, you know, they feel like they're giving to, to the soup kitchen as well. Um, so you had asked about COVID. What we did when we were able to come back to Kins is we served meals to go. Um, we did not feel, you know, we have some guests 
um, who are more at high risk. We weren't sure about the vaccination status. It was kind of hard. And I know um, this is kind of the case for a lot of the soup kitchens in the area. Um, what they did is they provided the meals to go rather than having um, the individuals sit down. We've actually, we've actually provided more food this way um, because we're also still delivering to the two shelters. So every week those, um, to go those really nice um, containers of food. We package about 95 of them weekly. We hand them out outside of Kins to anyone who comes to the door, anyone who needs them. And then we also have um, them delivered to two different shelters. And they're the same meals, you know, because we do this once a week, we're able to do really nice meals, chicken or beef, fresh fruit salad, fresh salad, rice, dessert, rolls. Um, you know, we have the resources to make it a special, um, a different type of meal, a special meal for the guests. And what we were very proud of at KNS was that one, we were one of only, I think, three kosher soup kitchens. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Ours and at the Ark and also Federation has the Uptown Cafe. Yes. And so there were members of the Orthodox community who were able to join us. And we were always yes. very, very careful about the cash route, not only because we're an Orthodox synagogue, yeah. but because we want to make sure we can provide to the widest range of people. Absolutely. In fact, there were times where you would get donations of things that weren't kosher and you could trade them out for things that were kosher or, yes. or other opportunities or donate those, those non-kosher items to another place which wasn't doing it. Yes. Now, you mentioned earlier that you were on the Kelly and Ryan show. Oh, now, I saw that clip uh, and it was great. But how did they find you? They, there was an article in the patch on, surprisingly, it was actually on my pantries, which we'll talk about um, in a minute. Um, I have these little free pantries and there was an article written on the pantries, which is funny because they didn't even get to that on the show. Um, but they read the article and they were looking, they had reached out to me. It was a whirlwind. It was a 20, 24 hours. They reached out to me and said, can you come on the show? Um, I think it was Tuesday afternoon. Can you come on the show on Thursday? Um, I really, you know, first time on TV. Now I've done radio, but I really jumped into the deep end with that one. So it was nice. It was nice to talk about. I mean, I wish I could have gotten the message out a little bit. It was a much shorter segment than planned. Um, you know, kind of the message I wanted to get out is that just for people to do whatever they can, you know, small, large, any, any really. And, the, and I guess you asked me what I learned. Anything helps. Um, anything that you can do um, any thought you have, any idea you have, um, just run with it, just try. And that was really kind of the message that I wanted to get across on the show as well. And after you were on the show, was there a bump in viewership and on views on your website? Did you see there was. Yeah, there was, you know, what, what I actually found interesting just last night, we had a couple of volunteers, um, who came to me from the show, which was nice. Really? They saw the show. They're outside of our completely outside of our community. And they saw the show and they said when they left, they're signed up to volunteer again in a couple of weeks. So it was, it was nice to, at least in the Chicago area, um, to give, to let people know about this and to give them the opportunity to volunteer. Now, by the way, we keep on mentioning the blog and we keep on mentioning signups. So first of all, it's mama chef, M O M M A chef.com is the yes. website. Yes. Okay. And that has the recipes and everything else. And on the website, 
there is also the soup kitchen, which if you did slash soup dash kitchen, you'd get to the information about the soup kitchen and the signups and everything else if you want to volunteer. How much, how, how long is the waiting list now? So when we, what we did during COVID, when we started handing them out, what I did is I actually had to increase <laughs> the minimum age of children to come volunteer. What we were doing um, pre-COVID is the kids were coming, they were setting up, we would hand out, or we would, we were giving, um, providing probably a six or seven course meal. And we were also handing out lunches to go. So the kids were downstairs since they were younger, they were downstairs setting up the room, putting out the flowers, um, putting out the tablecloths, filling up the water. They were also making lunches. So when we, um, when COVID hit and we reopened, we couldn't have kids that young um, helping just because we really needed, we were trying to limit the amount of people in the kitchen and we really needed people in the kitchen who could cut and cook and carry. Um, so what happened is our, our waiting list did diminish a lot. Understandably, people wanted to come with their young kids or they were, it was hard for them to come, you know, leaving their kids at home. So right now, I mean, we have spots open, um, not many, but, um, you know, an individual too. We, we did open it up um, for the first, it's opening up for the first six months right now. I think we're going to open up the second six months, um, next week. So there will be plenty of spots. We do, we need volunteers now. Um, you know, a lot of the volunteers we were getting also, um, didn't feel comfortable coming back into a closed space, cooking, standing close to one another. So if we, we, we do need volunteers. And another place, by the way, you can sign up if you go to the Conkins, C-O-N-G-K-I-N-S.org website, just roll the, scroll down on the homepage and you'll see all the information there where you can volunteer for mm -hmm. the soup kitchen. And also you can donate for the soup kitchen. This is an operation. You know, I know that uh, Kelly and Ryan wrote a check for your to support, but it's an operation that has been receiving support from across the community. Yes. And uh, Karen has been doing amazing things for people who are listening. Sometimes she'll just come in and say, oh, I got, I don't know if people noticed before when she mentioned she was getting the meat from the kosher jewel in her neighborhood. Mm -hmm. What does that mean you're getting the meat from them? So what they would do is the meat that was a day before it was expiring, they would put it aside for me. They would put it all in the freezer and we would come and get boxes of meat. Um, we had so much meat that I actually reached out to Act Electronics and asked them twice. I had to ask them to donate freezers. So they donated, you guys have a freezer in the basement that App donated. Um, my volunteer coordinator and her garage um, has a freezer because we had so much donated meat that we needed extra places. Kosher donated meat. We needed extra places to store it. There, um, I know in your area, um, they donate, the jewels donate, to, you know, there's many Jewish kosher organ organizations that need the kosher meat. In our area, I'm the only one um, that's requested it and they save it for me. So I was able to, it's, it's diminished a lot since COVID, unfortunately, um, for the first time in four years, which is amazing. Um, we've had to start buying just last night. Um, wow. We've had to start buying meat, but hopefully we'll, we'll start getting the donations again. I'm sure you will. And if not, people can always email us and let us know how they want to donate the meat. 
or just the regular donations online. They can do it online. Right. They can email from your website or over to KINS as well. And in terms of, now you were mentioning the pantries. This is something new that you started. What are the it pantries is. all about? Um, I, you can kind of picture those free little libraries. I'm sure everyone has seen them. The take a book, leave a book. Um, it was in the beginning of COVID. I, we were at home glued to the TV, glued to the news. Um, and I drove by one of the, and you're, you're watching the news and you're, they're talking about the food banks, the pantries, lines like they've never seen. Um, I spoke to the ARC and they had said, they, I believe they said since they've started, um, since the ARC was formed, they had never seen such a need of people um, you know, who needed resources. And so when I passed this library, I just had this idea um, of how about doing this with food? Like what a great way to help feed people with non-perishable food. And it's a great way for people anonymously to take food. You know, if they're not comfortable going to a soup kitchen, if they just need something to hold them over for a day or two. Um, so I reached out to, I actually reached out to a bunch of different places. It's new, it's a new idea. They do have a couple of these um, around the US, but people were a little skeptical to put, you know, a pantry in front of their church, in front of their synagogue, um, you know, vandalism, what would happen if people left food. What I did is um, for liability, um, a law firm donated their time to kind of advise me um, to make sure that we, that I was covered, that, that there, nothing would happen if, you know, they left food in there. So what they suggested was not to have people leave food, that we are in charge of filling the pantry. So it's different than the library, which is take a book, leave a book. Um, this is just take whatever you need. We put on there, um, I don't know if you wanna pull up the, I know you, you put up, if you wanna pull up one of the photos. I just had it up a minute ago. Okay. Of, yeah. So one of the pantries, we fill them also with, um, it's non-perishable. We try to make it healthy food. We try to make it cans of fruit, cans of tuna, cans of, these are not kosher pantries. I'll say that. These um, two of them, one of them is at a church five minutes from Kins. Um, it was a church that I had driven by many times and that I had actually met with when I was kind of trying to spread the word to reach out to social service organizations, churches, synagogues in the area to tell them if they have anyone in need to come to the soup kitchen. Um, so this was actually the first church um, that I had reached out to. And we put the pantry there, which was the photo. Um, there's a photo of my son um, with Pastor G with the first pantry. And we filled everything with non-perishable. We tried to do a kind of more nutritious food, um, not snacks, something that people could really use as a meal. Um, my second pantry I put in at Beth Emmett, which was really nice for me since um, they were kind of the driving force. They gave me the idea, you know, of the from volunteering there so many years, it just kind of came full circle. Um, and I knew they had a need. They have a very, very um, robust, successful soup kitchen that they've had for, I guess, 15, I don't know, we've been volunteering many years, so probably 15 plus years. And then the third one I put in an area of Chicago, um, the Englewood area, um, just because we all know that area and, um, you know, I was, it, it's heartbreaking what's going on. My only way of helping, um, is food, you know, is, is to provide food. So that's kind of the, the little, little, um, thing that I can do to help them. So we have a third pantry in front of a church in Englewood. 
That's amazing. And mm -hmm. you fill them or were your volunteers going to fill all these pantries? Uh, my son, my oldest son, Oren, um, I happened to do these last year when he turned 16. So I said, you have a car, you're in charge of them. So he fills up his car probably once every other week. He's in touch with either the lay leaders at Beth Emmett, the pastors at the churches, um, and he makes the deliveries. I, I do think you may be the only mother in the northern suburbs who sends her son to Englewood. So actually, I will say I don't send my, I went to Englewood. That's actually the one place I will not let him go. We have John, who's our police officer. Um, he does, I had gone to meet with them um, in Englewood and there we had, it, it's heartbreaking what's going on there. We had been advised to go there early in the morning because the shootings start, you know, usually they don't start before 11 a.m. So we went there in the morning. We happened to be part of, unfortunately, part of a shooting, which was pretty traumatic and eye-opening. Um, and so what we do, but I was determined to put the pantry there. Um, so I did, I put the pantry there and then we actually that you're right. No, my son does not go to that one. Um, I actually have a police officer that takes the food there and the pastor, um, comes out with some of the younger individuals involved in the church and they just take it out of his car. I got it. Now, you know, unfortunately in the news today is the war in Ukraine. And mm -hmm. the interesting thing is in Kiev, in the capital, there is an organization called Chesed. Mm -hmm. And the organization has a building and it is provides social services and it has a food pantry and it does everything that people can do to help other people. Chesed, as a result, was not a word that was in the Russian language, and they didn't have a good translation. So in Russian dictionaries, you'll find the word now chesed, based on what's happening in Kiev. And what you do, Karen, is this extraordinary chesed. But one thing, I asked you what, I, what you learned. Let me tell you one thing I learned. How one driven person can make a real difference in the lives of many, many people. If those of you who have never met Karen before, don't know what it means to come up with up against a force of nature, whether to create this, to continue to create, to man it, to do everything necessary. And for us at KINS, it's an extraordinary point of pride when we're able to say we have a soup kitchen. I look forward, and I know we've spoken about this, I look forward to the opportunities to interacting face to face with people. Hopefully we can find some way that we'll be able to transition somehow back to something that we had because that was such a meaningful experience for me and for so many of the volunteers. And on behalf of everyone, I want to thank you for everything you do. I want to remind everybody who's listening that you can watch this on YouTube. It also becomes an Apple podcast as well. All of these shows are available. And next week, we're going to have the privilege of also speaking with the publisher of Corin Publications, fascinating person named Matthew Miller. But today we had the great privilege to talk to Karen. So Karen, thank Ahmad, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Wonderful. And thank you for everything. Thank Have a you. wonderful Bye. day. Bye-bye.